All right, we're getting things started, getting things kicked off. It's been a, it's been a minute. Um, as I said, I've been busy, but I'm back. Hashgraph enthusiast news. There's been a lot um, happening. Um, it was funny, like, I think it was, was it Monday night? No, it was, yeah, it was Monday night. Um, we had that crazy uh, market action kind of spearheaded with Bitcoin. Felt like people were kind of front running an ETF announcement and a bunch of other stuff's been going on. Um, I've been keeping up as best I can over the last couple of weeks, but it's kind of wild. It feels like yesterday I was, you know, getting packed up and ready to head um, on a plane, fly out to Los Angeles to meet up with um, a bunch of other H barbarians, Hadarians, um, and, uh, you know, see what's going on. There was a bunch of great panels out in LA. I had a chance to chat with Mance and Lehman and um, the last ep episode of this show, episode 96, um, I actually had a bunch of people on um, on the show that were in LA um, and a bunch of other community members, um, including Brady at Swirls, um, that didn't have a chance to get down to LA and just kind of talked about what was going on and everything. So if you missed out on that, uh, make sure to check that out. Um, but yeah, well, I got back, um, had a bunch of work to catch up on and was just kind of seeing the ripple effects from that Hello Future Live event across the ecosystem. It was really great to see. Um, I think it charged people up. I think, it pe I think people got some good stuff out of it. Um, and it was fun too, because at the end of it, Manson Lehman did um, a talk and it was a little different than previous interviews that they've done. Um, it was a little bit more about their background personally and, and a little bit more, uh, we'll call it like diving into the lore of Manson Lehman a little more. It, it kind of got me thinking like, ah, oh, if they're going to do the Netflix, you know, documentary on these guys and kind of on the, on the rise of Hedera and stuff like that, it, it, it gets your brain going in that way a little bit. So that was great. Um, and I think that one thing that really caught my attention just before we kind of dive into the show as we wait for some folks to trickle in, if you're listening, uh, please share the spaces, the more the merrier. Um, one thing that caught my eye in a big way was um, Polygon announced um, kind of like a, a governing council. Um, let me see if I can, if I can find this. Um, it was a post on Twitter and I saw it and it was just... It reminded me of the Facebook Libra stuff. Um, I want to see if I can find this. Uh, let me see if I can see this. Anyways, Polygon announced kind of this governing body of trusted, I guess, individuals or organizations very similar to Hedera um, and it reminded me of, I don't know if people remember, but uh, back in the day when they were called Facebook, Facebook's Libra project kind of did a similar thing where they um, were inspired by uh, Hedera's governing council and kind of the structure of the organization. And then Hedera put out that, you know, infamous um, newspaper ad and you know, uh, saying that imitation is the greatest form of flattery and just kind of taking it in stride. And um, basically, you know, 
I look at Polygon and I kind of look at how Hedera is positioned. And I mean, Hedera and I'd say every other network that's that's kind of innovating in new ways and kind of on the bleeding edge in their respective zones, you know, Hedera definitely being enterprise. You know, it can be a precarious situation. There's concerns all over the map. Um, and it reminded me of something Mance said, right? Mance Harmon, one of the co-founders of Hedera. And he said, you know, when asked about Hashgraph as a technology, he's like, you know, Hashgraph is for sure um, something very impressive and special and important to the DLT space and something that really makes Hedera what it is. But specifically, Mance also said, you know, the governance, right, the governing council, that structure um, is, you know, as he framed it, you know, just as or arguably more important than Hashgraph technology in itself. And he kind of, you know, uh, outlines it as, you know, they both need each other. Um, and this was back in the day where you had Phantom that, you know, had you know, we'll call it um, through inspiration, borrowed some ideas from from Hashgraph, if folks remember that. And there was concerns like now that it's open source, like what happens if, you know, someone utilizes the Hashgraph technology uh, to, to, you know, do it for their own network, right? And the rebuttal to that is, well, you, you're not going to be able to get a governing council um, the same as Hedera. Um, it's just too difficult to do. It was nearly impossible for Hedera to do. Um, and we're going to talk about that later in the episode. And then the flip side to it is people look at Polygon and they go, wow, they're doing this kind of governing board, governing council type thing now. Um, obviously, it, it's proven to be a, a great template for governance for these networks. And maybe those other networks are borrowing ideas from Hedera. And so you get concerned in the other direction of, you know, are they going to copy that aspect of Hedera? Uh, but then you also need the Hashgraph magic. Um, and we've also seen other networks, you know, talk more about ABFT and um, gossip uh, and, um, you know, two hashes and different things like that. So it's a very interesting point right now where you have this kind of, you know, you have this line of, you know, Hedera clearly has something special here. Um, and they're definitely, it's not a, it's not a shoe in, right. It's not a clear shot ahead. There's a, there's many challenges ahead. Um, and you're going to have other networks that copy Hedera, right. And, and that's also, you know, has upsides and downsides. The upside is it really validates Hedera's approach. And the downside is concern about, you know, the, you know, Hedera kind of being usurped, but I think it goes back to what Mance was saying is like, you kind of need both. And in my view, as it stands right now, it's really kind of impossible for another network to get both. They'll get close. And that's kind of the concern is it's not always the best technology that wins, but it's, it's so complex. It's so interesting. I, I think that um, it goes to show that even in the depths of a bear market where things can really feel desolate, um, <laughs> it really is never a dull moment. Uh, it is, it is exciting. And, and this week definitely showed us that. Um, but with that, Hello from Ottawa, Canada, everyone. My name is Brandon Davenport, a.k.a. it's Brandon D. It's October 25th, and you're listening to episode 97 of the Hashgraph Enthusiasts show. So, what did I miss? And this is the weekly news show where we talk about the top 10 stories related to Hedera, HBAR, and everything in between. 
Listen live on X Spaces every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other platforms to hear past episodes. Also, catch the Hashgraph Enthusiast interview episodes weekly, a new format where uh, for the show as we grow. To be honest, I've got a lot of cool interviews I want to do. I've been very busy. I'm hoping to have some interviews soon, so stay tuned for that. Um, I don't know if I'm going to have one this week, but you know, stay tuned. Get all the info you need about the show and subscribe at itsbrandond.com slash hbar. Um, and for folks listening live on X Spaces now, check out the post pin to the top for a list of our top 10 stories. Also take a moment to share the spaces with your friends. And if you got some interesting news people should know about, click the comment button at the bottom right. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll talk about it. And for folks listening to the recording on podcast platforms, Leave a comment. Break down your thoughts on what we're talking about today. Let's keep the conversation going. Um, some other interesting things just before we dive into our top 10 stories was um, Dovu. They are, I guess they're already listed on Bitrex. Um, I, yeah, I think that might be the case. I think they might already be listed on Bitrex. So shout out to Dovu. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with that project. I had Matt Smithies, the CTO, on the show recently talking about their roadmap um, and specifically something that excited me was their charger protocol that's going to basically um, reimagine what paying for API, API calls is all about, right? This new open source charger protocol where your Dovu tokens will be used to pay for API calls for their carbon onboarding platform. It's really exciting. Go listen to that episode. I think it's like episode 92 or something like that. Um, also, Investor Palace just a few hours ago, uh, sorry, Investor Place uh, just a few hours ago published an article. It's kind of funny. I mean, some of these headlines are ridiculous, but the headline is three cryptocurrencies destined to be the next Bitcoin. Gasp. And what are those three cryptocurrencies destined to be the next Bitcoin according to Investor, Pal or Investor Place? Those three are Quant, Cardano, and HBAR. Look out, folks. According to Investor Place, HBAR is poised to potentially be the next Bitcoin. I have no idea what that means. Um, kind of a, a BS headline. But these are the things that get people excited. Um, it's cool. Um, there's not very accurate information, but there is sure a lot of excitement. So it's good to see. Shout out to uh, Investor Place. Good stuff. Also, something that was really interesting to see was... Um, uh, Reddit or sorry, uh, Discord user SSL in the Hedera community Discord um, shared a post. I think a lot of people have been kind of uh, looking at this. Um, they say, quote, besides the consensus time reduction, all transactions are split between all the nodes as well, which makes sense comparing it to before where only five or six nodes were managing those transactions. Um, are we preparing for something? That's the question, right? So for folks unfamiliar, um, the network, although there's, you know, some impressive things with the network, right? Like, um, you know, billions of transactions. It's very fast. It's very affordable, fixed low fees, et cetera. You know, no uh, mempool, all those kinds of things. Another aspect to this, which is really interesting is um, the time to consensus. And as more nodes get added, as there's more um, network activity, the time to consensus can start to creep up a little bit. 
And Lehman Baird was asked this, I believe, earlier, very early this year, and he basically kind of brushed it off and said, "Eh, hey, you know, if it if if the time to consensus goes up too far, you know, we'll do a fix and it'll come down." He it didn't he didn't make it sound like it was a big deal. What he did say was um, they would need to do that if they were expecting, um, you know, traffic on the network to increase substantially. Um, so, if folks remember earlier this year. They did a update to the gossip protocol um, of the main net. Um, most, you know, most DLTs have a gossip protocol. This isn't referring to the gossip about gossip, secret sauce of the hash graph. But they did an upgrade to it. It brought time to consensus down um, well below uh, four seconds. Arguably, you could say it brought it down under three and a half seconds, which is very impressive. Um, and on top of that, as SSL pointed out, transactions are, you know, spread across all the nodes now. So traditionally transactions would be run through about five or six of the governing council nodes. Now those transactions appear to be spread, you know, pretty much evenly across um, all of the main net nodes. So it's fair to say, you know, based off what Lehman said, and also just based off of the general roadmap of Hedera, um, to me, it doesn't appear that Hedera would be doing anything different if they were expecting um, something big to be happening on mainnet. We've seen a lot of interesting testnet activity. Um, uh, TPS on the mainnet is slowly approaching an average of 2000. So all of these different things are, are looking very interesting. We've also seen news from Avery Dennison about potential new use cases from them, even things regarding um, uh, dig decentralized digital identity. Um, and what's most interesting about that, um, which Rob Allen speaks to quite, quite frequently at the Hashgraph Association is very often people will equate, um, you know, decentralized identity to uh, people, right? Or humans. When in reality, um, in a broad sense, decentralized identity, you know, is, is largely about objects or items or entities, right? It doesn't necessarily need to be about people. So safe to say from a fundamental standpoint, from the actual technical aspects of how the network is configured and running, um, and also a lot of the activity that we're seeing with potential use cases, use cases that are currently live, governing council members, and also um, opinions and future, you know, forward-looking statements from folks like Lehman, Mance, Shane from the HBAR Foundation, Rob from the Hashgraph Association, and others. Again, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it does feel like this quarter is going to be a very exciting quarter. Um, and you, when you contrast that on the backdrop of the crypto industry and what's happening, it's wild, guys. It seems to be very, very wild and exciting. And to kick that off, I wanted to talk about probably the news item that's at the forefront of the minds of everybody in the Hedera ecosystem and also everybody in the crypto industry. It's one of those news stories, one of those headlines that I think really brings everybody together and kind of wakes people up. This bear market has been brutal. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of, um, you know deflated attitudes in the Hedera ecosystem, and rightfully so. It's been really hard. Um, it, you know, I, I, I've had a lot of people say to me in person, you know, we're running out of runway. I don't know 
how long we're going to be able to stay in business. And it's just really hard out there. I think that anybody right now that's building in Web3, specifically in Hedera, that is still here in any capacity, deserves a lot of credit. Um, in the technology industry in general, especially during a market downturn, and especially during a kind of very protracted bear market like we see in crypto, you know, really your job is to be hard to kill as a as a project. Your job is to just stay alive because, you know, to quote Paul Graham from from Y Combinator, you know, the technology industry train leaves the station at regular intervals, right? We see that over and over again going back decades into the technology industry. You know, uh, Apple and Microsoft were founded during one of the most severe market downturns in, in 77. So, you know, sometimes a really bad economy is a good time to, to make a startup. And that quote from Paul Graham, you know, the, the technology train leaves the station at regular intervals. The quote continues, you know, if everyone's off cowering in a corner, you may end up with a whole car all to yourself. Um, so credit to credits due for anybody building in the ecosystem right now that's still here in any capacity. Um, it may not seem impressive to most, but it's impressive to me. So as we Canadians say, keep your stick on the ice. Um, and this brings us to the other side of the coin or the other side of the Bitcoin, we should say, which is, um, holy moly, uh, Bitcoin had quite a exciting evening on, I believe it was Monday, um, we saw Bitcoin jump from, I believe, well under $28,000 to above $35,000. Um, and many leading, um, you know, we'll call them influencers or people that, you know, definitely don't give financial advice, quote unquote. Um, many of those people that are advocating for short positions or um, bearish outlooks on the market short term or even medium term um, were really shaken by this recent activity um, and Bitcoin shot up very quickly. And, you know, as we speak, Bitcoin is still um, well above a critical price target, which is the $32,500. Um, many people um, in crypto say that if Bitcoin can hold above 35K for a little while, that can definitely lead to an invalidation of a lot of these bearish um, thesis on what's going to happen in crypto. Unfortunately, you know, this doesn't necessarily mean a lot of altcoins had that same price action. I mean, HBAR didn't really um, rise that much. I think HBAR went up, you know, maybe like four or 5%, nothing very impressive, but that's just that's just market cycles. I mean, generally Bitcoin leads the way and then we have different kind of cycles that happen. So if Bitcoin is up, generally that's good for everybody and anybody that's an HBAR holder or a HBAR barbarian should be very excited to see Bitcoin uh, go up in the way that it has. But the big question is, is like, why? And what should we expect is happening? So the reason that Bitcoin went up as it did was um, news came out that BlackRock's iShares Bitcoin Trust ETF had been listed on the DTCC. So what does that mean exactly? Well, as we've talked about on the show previously, 
everybody's very excited about this handful of Bitcoin spot ETFs, um, which basically means that institutional investors or people that don't necessarily want to dip their toes into the crypto world can buy Bitcoin via a, an ETF, which is an exchange traded fund um, and get exposure to that, leading to liquidity pouring into um, the crypto space, leading to price appreciation of Bitcoin. It's very exciting. Um, and again, to quote Mance on this, you know, the co-founder of Hedera, when he was asked, what is it going to take to trigger a bull market, right? What are the catalysts going to be to do that? Mance said he doesn't really see a bull market coming, um, you know, this year at all um, and potentially well into next year. But he did say that if there is a catalyst that brings a bull market a little sooner, it would be Wall Street, right? So all eyes have really been on Wall Street and, and especially BlackRock. Um, and it has been said that if one of these Bitcoin spot ETFs um, gets pushed through, it's not just going to be one, right? It's going to be many. So I would safely say that for most people out there, if they want to kind of understand what's happening, basically everybody is waiting for these spot ETFs to be listed. Um, that's really what this is about. <clears throat> so let's unpack kind of the series of events of what happened. So as we said, you know, people saw that BlackRock's iShares Bitcoin Trust had been listed on the DTCC. So what is the DTCC? Um, the U.S. Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation is like, you know, a behind-the-scenes manager of most of the buying and selling of stocks, bonds, and other financial securities in the U.S. You, you know, you can think of it as kind of like um, a massive hub that ensures the money and securities change hands smoothly and accurately. Uh, so like when someone buys a stock, uh, and another sells it, the DTCC makes sure the buyer gets the stock and the seller gets the money. Um, it's kind of like the quote unquote trusted middleman that helps keep the financial system running smoothly. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, it's one of those elements of the financial markets that the Web3 space looks at and goes, you know, why do we place so much trust in these institutions? But anyways, so what happened was on October 23rd in the evening, people went, holy moly, um, this... Bitcoin trust ETF from BlackRock um, is listed here. Um, essentially, it's almost like getting right to the finish line. Very exciting. So what did people do? They freaked out. They bought Bitcoin. And it pumped to 35,000, up 15% within hours. Um, every single group chat that I was in, um, X, aka Twitter, and everything lit up. People were losing their minds. I was putting out memes as everybody was. It was very exciting. It was fun. Um, and then around lunchtime yesterday, um, the BlackRock Bitcoin ETF was removed from the DTCC website. Uh, so that kind of set off the emotional roller coaster. And what happened next? Well, uh, about four hours later, the uh, SEC charged BlackRock with failing to disclose investments. Uh, BlackRock paid a $2.5 million penalty. So roller coaster went up. Everyone was super excited. And then it crashed back down and people were kind of like, well, you know, proves us right. You know, these kinds of things happen. And what can we do? Then two hours later, yesterday, 
the BlackRock shares spot Bitcoin ETF was relisted on the DTCC. So then people were like, wait, what's going on? It, it was, it was uh, I, I shared a gift from the office that people remember the episode where Michael Scott, the lead character, kept getting uh, for his, his partner. I can't remember what her name was, but she was continually convincing him to get a vasectomy and then get his vasectomy removed and then get his vasectomy done again. And there was that meme of him going snip, snap, snip, snap. It felt like that. It was like, what's going on right now? Um, it was just out of control. And that's kind of where we're at right now is we're kind of back in the speculative space of being so close to the finish line. Um, but the bears and the bulls continue the fight. Some saying, you know, Bit, it, you know, Bitcoin has proven to be a very manipulated asset. You know, why would an ETF like this be approved? But then you also have people arguing that, well, there's already, you know, Bitcoin futures ETFs that are approved, which you could argue are more risky than a spot ETF. So there's so many different opinions about this. Um, and, you know, I mean, there. You, let's let's take this and kind of bring it back into the Hedera zone. What does this mean for HBAR? Well, if an ETF like this gets listed, it means a mass influx of liquidity into the Web3 space via Bitcoin. So what that means is, it really comes down to the positioning of Hedera. Um, and it really means that as more money enters the space, will that money flow into the Hedera ecosystem? That's really the big question. Um, it has in the past, and we'll just kind of have to see. Now, this brings me to a couple points from Shane, who is the CEO of the HBAR Foundation, kind of in this wheelhouse on a recent... Um, interview uh, from the HBAR Foundry, um, you know, Shane basically said a few things kind of not speaking to this directly, but more speaking to the Wall Street institutional investor side of things. Uh, Shane said, there really hasn't been a focus on the institutional investor side up until now, right? AKA Wall Street. And the HBAR Foundation's focus is bringing things on chain. And specifically, um, he mentioned that HBAR will be integrated into a platform called the TIE. So I took a look at what the TIE is, and it's literally just, you know, T-H-E-T-I-E, -E, right? So a tie that you would wear. You can go and Google it and check it out. And it's described as kind of um, the Bloomberg terminal for digital assets. So... This is kind of the the way that institutional investors gain exposure to and are able to invest in digital assets. And HBAR will be integrated into the tie, which is exciting. Um, he also mentioned that on November 3rd, um, Shane mentioned that he will be at the New York Stock Exchange presenting to over 400 institutional investors, effectively pitching them on the Hedera ecosystem. So what I take away from that is, okay, so HBAR is integrated into kind of the Web3 Bloomberg terminal that all these folks use. And on November 3rd, in just a week or so, Shane will be at the New York Stock Exchange pitching in front of these 400 institutional investors, you know, basically saying, you know, this is what Hedera is about. This is why you should get involved. 
And the gateway for them to get involved is is kind of there, right? Those those pillars are in place now. So this kind of, again, is another element of why um, we're at kind of in an exciting spot right now, um, which, you know, it's very interesting. So it was cool to hear those updates from Shane. But that's basically... You know, that's that's kind of the Bitcoin excitement rally uh, euphoria and kind of how it relates to Hedera. You know, it's it's exciting stuff. Um, a few shout outs, um, you know, great to see Kabila tuning in. Um, this is one of the reasons why I love doing the show at this time. Now, we used to do it on Sundays in the evening, my time Eastern, which was we did that for a year or more. Um, and we switched now. This is the, you know, probably the. I'd say the fourth or fifth episode that we've done um, at this time, which is great. So it's awesome to see Kabila tuning in. We've got Coinman, the H Barbarian tuning in that wasn't usually able to tune in live. So, um, and a bunch of other folks listening. So it's, it's great to do the show at this time. So shout out to you guys. Um, Now I kind of want to switch gears a little bit. Um, The show isn't complete with a bit of a, a bummer, uh, take on some stuff. I, I was a bit concerned about a couple things on the Hedera side, um, specifically with the recent governing council meeting minutes. Um, and, you know, the, I, I want to say off the top, one of the reasons I love the Hedera governing council is the transparency. Um, I do think um, if this network had a different governing structure, um, this community wouldn't be privy to these types of updates and information. And this is important. And I would take this not as good news, but it's important that we have this news. Um, and so let's break down kind of why I'm a little bummed out about this, but also, you know, again, shout out to the governing council. It's important that we have this information as a community. Um, and, you know, I think that it's just great that we have this level of transparency. It's and again, it's it's meeting minutes. It's kind of boring. It's not super clamorous, but it is what it is. So the overall notes here, I mean, to you know, to me and and kind of in interviews when I was in Los Angeles and, and chatting with Lehman and in those interviews, you know, it was it, it it's been made clear that there is a you know strong pipeline of potential governing council members of you know, names specifically that we would recognize. It's been kind of told to us all throughout this year that, um, you know, there's a healthy pipeline of governing council members. And some of the numbers shared are, you know, there's 30 or 80 um, in the pipeline. Now, uh, additionally, in a recent interview, Mance um, said that the scrutiny on potential governing council members has increased. So, um, the, the level of scrutiny put on new governing council members is higher than ever. So demanding high quality governing council members that will be utilized in the network. Um, unfortunately, there's been no governing council members announced since May 17th, um, the most recent being COFRA. So this naturally kind of brought up the idea of, you know, if there is such a healthy, you know, pipeline of governing council members, why haven't more governing council members been added to the the council? Um, it's worth bringing up a point from Brett McDowell, who is the kind of the, you know, the, the board chair 
um, of the of the governing council board and him, him saying that it's also important that they don't fill up the governing council too quickly um, because there is a cap of 39. You don't want to get into a situation where you have to adjust the bylaws or raise the cap or anything like that. And also Lehman and Mance saying that, you know, about 20 or so governing council members is sufficient for security of the network. So it's safe to say that the governing council currently is in a good place. The network is secure and things are getting done. So um, that's kind of the, the headline here is, you know, governing council doing a okay, right? Could be doing better, but we're doing good. Um, and we're definitely head and shoulders above other networks when it comes to governance. Um, I mean, it's also worth mentioning too, like not all the governing council nodes are on Amazon Web Services, right? There's no more than two governing council nodes that are allowed to be on one particular service. So the services that those nodes are run on are are well diversified over services. It's a very dis, you know decentralized um, system. You know, Mance, you know, saying it would be quote a fallacy to assume that Hedera is not the most decentralized network. So um, based Mance out there. And Shane from the HBAR Foundation also mentioning that they are hiring a head of recruitment for the governing council. So a lot of stuff happening in that regard. So what uh, is a little bit spooky and concerning about the, you know, September meeting minutes, right? So these are the meeting minutes published from the governing council meeting that happened in September. Um, so Google, right, and COFRA, the most recent um, governing council member and Google being a, probably the most important governing council member were not present at this meeting, um, which is, you know, don't like to see that. Um, largely, the governing council appears to be focused on strategic planning for 2024. And I mean, you know, strategic planning is kind of a stupid term. Strategy and planning are two separate things. So every time I see the term strategic planning, my eyes roll, but whatever. Um, a quote from the uh, meeting minutes also is, notably, Marcom, right, so the, the marketing committee, uh, will ensure that Hedera's marketing efforts closely align with its target audience and that marketing themes reflect the council's articulated priorities. So again, please, who is the target audience and what are the articulated priorities? This is, this is largely a, a lot of my frustration with the governing council and Hedera is, um, you know, time and time again, it's it's a problem to see the community out of sync with Hedera. And it does, there is this gap um, that does create this friction and frustration amongst the ecosystem. I often, you know, illustrate it as kind of like the shared worlds concept, right? You've got one world, which is kind of the enterprise Hedera Foundation Association world, right? Enterprise world. And then you've got the other world, which is the DGEN, DeFi, retail, community, project, startup world. What can we do to bring those two worlds closer together? What you do not do is just use these kind of vague terms of like target audience and articulated priorities. Like, please let the community know, like, who is the target audience and what are these articulated priorities? Because I know that even if the Hedera community doesn't agree with the target audience and maybe doesn't agree with the articulated priorities, I can pretty much guarantee you that we all want to see this network succeed. 
and the community would get behind those things, right? If Hedera would just articulate what those things are, the community would probably go, eh, you know, we don't agree 100% with those things, but you know what? We're going to roll up our sleeves, we're going to get behind it, and we're going to be a part of it. Um, so I really wish that Hedera would, would be more forthcoming with some of those details because it's really kind of useless to hear these kind of things and not really know like what the target audience is or what the priorities are. Um, also, Simon Olson from Magalu, uh, what is it, which is a governing council member, said, quote, uh, the, the, the membership committee continues to have strong prospects in the membership pipeline and is working on the best way to reduce risks and pain points that such prospects encounter in evaluating council membership. So again, risks and pain points, what are those? I'm going to go out on a limb here and just say it's hurting cats. Um, it's really hard when you're dealing with, you know, multi-stakeholder initiatives, when you've got like a lot of different enterprises and you're trying to kind of align people on these kind of goals, it's really hard to manage those communications, keep everybody on the same page. So I imagine that's what's, that's what those risks and pain points are. It's kind of like everybody kind of off in their own corner doing their own thing. And you're trying to corral people together and get everybody on the same page. Um, so it's clear that I, I think the governing council is um, starting to realize that that's um, a difficult task. And it's especially difficult when onboarding new governing council members. Um, and so it kind of leads me to kind of believe that that's maybe the reason why Shane at the HBAR Foundation is hiring a head of recruitment and that they're kind of taking a look at these things. Um, also talked about in the, in the uh, meeting minutes is the, the search for a president for Hedera continues. Um, and I can't stress this enough, right? Hedera is going to be getting a new president. Um, and if we want to talk about memes, if we want to talk about people dunking on Hedera, if we want to talk about Hedera potentially having a kind of mascot, it's going to be the president, right? It's kind of funny. It's like, you know, whoever is that person, it's like they are the president of Hedera. It's kind of funny and quirky and but important, right? It's good to have those roles defined and it's good. You know, the president of an LLC is a legal term. It's a legal role. It's very important, um, but it will be memed on and it will be joked about in the community and it will be a little bit fun and create a little bit of drama. So I think it's important for people to understand that, you know, both fundamentally, it's super important, but also from uh, kind of a marketing standpoint and from a, a degen standpoint, it's a big piece as well, whoever that is. Um, there's going to be probably NFT projects made of them the same way that there were NFT projects made of Lehman and different things like that. That's kind of where my head goes with that. Now, this is the big juicy part of this meeting minutes that does make me concerned. So Tom Sylvester, um, general counsel and secretary for Hedera. Um, I just want to read this verbatim. Just I want to read this section of the meeting minutes verbatim, and then we'll talk about a, a few key points. So verbatim quote from the you know PDF, the meeting minutes quote, Tom S. reminded the council of the proposal from the August council meeting to form a council committee with the authority to re review and make decisions on policies or initiatives that could impact director compensation. Tom S. invited council representatives to join the committee and noted that a draft charter would be circulated 
to interested representatives for their input. So what does that mean? Well, basically in recent meeting minutes, it's been made clear that you know, people want HBAR and they want to do all sorts of different things and people want money, right? And the governing council has kind of pumped the brakes on that and said, hold on a minute. Um, we need more justification on these asks. If governing council members or people affiliated with the governing council are going to ask for HBAR, there needs to be more justification in that. There needs to be more structure with that. So that's good to see, but, you know, concerning that that needs to be put in place, but whatever. Um, continuing on verbatim, quote, Tom S. also shared that the board recently approved a council recruitment reward policy to incentivize council recruitment. In approving this policy, the board considered the benefits of engaged council member representatives identifying prospective members within their networks who would, be, who would meaningfully contribute to the Hedera Council. The board also examined prior recruitment efforts and the significant time invested by individuals to discuss council membership with prospective members, make introductions to appropriate parties, provide support in use case development, and navigate the membership approval process, among other efforts. So what does that mean? What are they talking about? Well, as I said before, it turns out that it is maybe harder than they initially anticipated to manage those inter-council dynamics and also onboard council members. It's a long process with many people involved. And so it takes a lot of time, right? They've said here, quote, significant time invested um, and also, quote, um, navigate the membership approval process. So it does appear that, you know, it is, you know, a little bit of a difficult task managing the council and those dynamics and, um, you know, getting people on board. Now, Let's let's let's. I'm going to read verbatim kind of the the key uh, takeaway from this, you know, meeting minutes that kind of put up a little alarm bell for me. Quote: Under the recruitment reward policy, eligible individuals or approved entities who identify and navigate a prospective member through the council recruitment process will be eligible to receive a reward of fifty thousand U.S. dollars worth of HBAR if such recruited prospect formally joins the council. Eligible individuals include employees of Hedera council members, directors, and any external parties approved by the board. So, what does that mean? So essentially. Put simply, this is similar to a situation where um, you sign up for, let's say you sign up for an online service that delivers, uh, you know, baby diapers to your home every month, right? Babydiaper.com. And you sign up for a subscription and it costs, you know, 20 bucks a month. And they say, hey, if you send a friend and they sign up for that service too, we'll send you $10 and you go, Hey, that's cool. I'll tell my friends about this. Um, and <laughs> that's basically what this is, is it's essentially the council saying, Hey, <laughs> you know, tell your friends to join the governing council. <laughs> and if they join the governing council, we'll give you $50,000 worth of H bar. That's basically what this is in a nutshell. And this definitely caused people in the Hedera community to kind of go, whoa, uh, are you guys having trouble um, getting people on the governing council? Um, if you remember, we haven't had a new governing council member since May. And, you know, 
Google, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a little bit concerning, you know, and a few pieces from this is, you know, who are these approved entities, right? Who are these external parties approved by the board um, that can do this, right? That can procure a potential governing council member, guide them through this process and have them be a governing council member, right? Could these, you know, approved entities or external parties be folks listening to this show right now, right? Could a Hedera project recommend and help onboard someone to the governing council and get $50,000 worth of HBAR? Who knows? Um, it's just kind of interesting and uh, I wouldn't say concerning, but it gets stuck in my brain. Um, and the reason it gets stuck in my brain is the fact that so many people, again, Mance, Lehman, Shane, um, Brett, Rob Allen have been telling us that the pipeline for governing council members is so strong and so many big things are coming. Um, this to me feels in direct contrast to that. This to me says, um, you know, uh, help us get governing council members. Um, I don't know which other way to take it. Um, now, this may just be people taking it in the wrong way. I may be um, taking this the wrong way, right? And I think that, um, you know, it's tough to really say what this relates to. But put simply, uh, Hedera is issuing a, a reward of 50,000 HBAR if you bring aboard a governing council member. Take that as you will. I want to make people aware of it. Um, it seems very important. And it definitely goes into the conversation about what's going on with the governing council. Now, I've got my own proposition to you folks. The Hashgraph Enthusiast Show averages about 500 listeners every week on X Spaces and hundreds more on podcast platforms. And over the years, I've covered every major Hedera news event, unpacked almost every juicy rumor, and hosted countless in-depth discussions with important figures in the Hedera ecosystem. Most recently, you know, Matt from Dovu, Carmel Cadet from EM Tech. Um, you know, I had a chance to interview Lehman. Um, you know, a lot of interesting people, uh, lots of interesting conversations. If you'd like to support the show, consider making an HBAR contributions like many folks in the community have been doing. Even a few bucks add up. It's true. Um, it does add up. And what I'll do is I'll quickly share uh, a post up to the Jumbotron here. It has the Hedera address where you can send an HBAR donation or contribution. Um, you know, I have had offers, you know, to have the show sponsored or, you know, advertisements or whatever it is. But I, I really like the idea of having this be supported by the community. Um, I do this show for free personally, uh, as is. I really enjoy it. Uh, but I do have a lot of people say, hey, you know, it'd be great if you didn't, if your microphone didn't sound like you were talking from inside a briefcase, or it would be awesome to have you on video or something like that. I'd love to do more of that. That takes time and I don't have all the time in the world. And so I wanted to just basically have an easy way for people to communicate to me that they want that. And the best way to communicate that to me is, you know, sending me some H bar um, and, you know, see what I can do to make that happen. And uh, we've received 
um, you know, close to 10,000 HBAR worth of contributions. And I've put that towards um, some AI tools that allow me to do much, much better research, um, audio processing tools that allow me to uh, not sound like total garbage on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, um, and spend more time on the show and, and rework uh, some of my processes for how I do this. So that is being put to good use. Um, and the show's growing and it's just because of the community, which, which I'm really, really proud of. So, um, you can send a contribution again to the address listed above using your Hedera wallet. I also appreciate fun memos. Um, it makes my day for someone to send me like, you know, like 10 H bar and they just leave a memo that they love the show. And, you know, that just means so much to me and, and also, you know, directly shows me that, you know, the show needs to grow. So I appreciate that. Um, and you know, the show's full Hedera address is in the podcast show notes. If you're listening on podcast platforms and the YouTube description, um, get all the info you need about the show at it's slash H bar. Also leave a rating and review for the show on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, and leave a comment on YouTube and all that stuff that helps out big time as well. The Hedera community is still small, but hopefully the show will help the community grow. I also accept tips on Galaxy. I'm hip. I'm hip. Um, so Hedera hit 25 billion transactions. Uh, I think that happened yesterday or the day before. It's hard to keep track, honestly. Um, it feels like we don't even celebrate billion transaction marks anymore. Um, I mean, we're close to doing 100 million transactions every day. Um, so that means that we're doing a billion transactions every 10 days. You know, it's safe to say that before the end of the year, we're probably going to be doing a billion transactions every week, uh, which is insane, right? Um, and, you know, of course, most of these transactions are from Atma.io, from Avery Dennison. And of course, people go, hey, 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 um, they're not paying for those transactions. They mean nothing, Right. They're being subsidized by the HBAR Foundation. Don't count them. They're not paying for them. Well, to be fair, um, it's a little different than that. Um, largely, a lot of times when the foundation or other organizations subsidize or give grants to projects, a lot of times that money gets spent on staff or their team or rent or technology stacks or anything like that, which means that that HBAR is sold and that value is sucked out of the ecosystem to be lost. Um, so what makes this arrangement that the HBAR Foundation um, with Avery Dennison and Atma paying for these transactions, what makes this arrangement different is that that value is not leaving the network. Um, that HBAR that, that Avery Dennison and Atma is using is only being used to pay for transactions. So what that means is that HBAR gets sent to Avery Dennison from the HBAR Foundation, or let's back up a little bit. Um, Hedera sends that HBAR to the HBAR Foundation to fund that um, foundation. They sent it a while ago, uh, well over a year ago. The HBAR Foundation sends that HBAR to Avery Dennison, right? AKA at my IO. Um, and um, Avery Dennison uses that H bar to pay for transactions on the network. 
which means that HBAR goes back to Hedera, right? Back to the governing council. That HBAR goes back to node operators, other governing council members. And it goes back to people staking HBAR, right? Everyone listening to the show right now. So it's a little bit different. Um, it creates um, velocity in the HBAR ecosystem. It creates a, a, a large movement of HBAR through the ecosystem. So it can be argued that everybody that's staking HBAR is getting a little piece of that subsidized um, grant from the HBAR Foundation. They're kind of indirectly funding the community. Um, and that HBAR is not leaving the ecosystem. That value is not exiting the ecosystem. It's going right back into Hedera. And where it goes from there, most likely, is back to the HBAR Foundation and back to um, other grant-giving bodies. So it's a nice little flywheel to help get things started. It's not as scary or as bad as a lot of people make it out to be. Yes, it would be great to see Avery Dennison at Mayo paying for their own transactions, but it's not the end of the world. Relax. Everybody out there is freaking out about it. Relax. No need to freak out about it. Um, now, on this too, the kind of 25 billion transaction stuff, um, Shane, again, the, and I got to mention again, I got to give a huge shout out to the HBAR Foundry, um, did a great interview with both Shane from the HBAR Foundation and Rob Allen from the Hashgraph Association. I see Mel on listening down there. Shout out to you, man. I might, I'll, I'll pop you up maybe in a bit to chat about it, but um so a few interesting things were mentioned just kind of under this umbrella of, you know, woohoo, 25 billion transactions. Um, Shane mentioned, you know, in 2022, there was $300,000 of network service revenue, basically revenue generated by services on the network, right? HCS, HTS, HC, or HSCS, all the different H's. Um, and in 2023, it's expected to be $3 million of network services revenue. So the services on the Hedera network, the revenue that those services are generating is going to increase by 10x, which if you look at Hedera as a startup, pretty impressive. If a startup says, hey, uh, we grew our revenue 10x over last year, you go, okay, uh, that's pretty damn impressive. Um, most interestingly, if you look at it a little closer, um, a lot of these use cases that are driving revenue are not using the consensus service. They're using other services like HTS and the smart contract service. So those services respectively are generating 10% of the revenue, right? You could say by the end of this year, 10 to 20% of the revenue, um, which is very, very interesting when you look at the fact that 99% of the transactions on the mainnet are HCS transactions, right? HCS transactions make a tiny little bit amount of money and other types of transactions make a whole lot more money. So even though only a tiny little 1% of transactions on the network are non-HCS transactions, those generate 10% of the revenue. Um, so even a tiny, eeny weeny little tiny increase in those other types of transactions, right? In those non-HCS transactions will have outsized effects on network revenue. So 
If you're interested in the number of transactions and the you know bazillion transactions happening, that's cool. But if you are really interested actually in revenue on the network, don't pay attention to those HCS transactions. Pay attention to non-HCS transactions, right? HTS and token service and crypto and smart contract. Pay attention to those different types of things. Shane also says that currently this year, those transactions I talk about, right? HTS and the smart contract transactions will contribute more network revenue in 2023 than all network revenue in 2022, right? So that little tiny 1% of transactions that happen on the network that are non-HCS transactions, they will generate more revenue than the whole network did last year. So it's really about understanding what numbers actually matter and what types of transactions have outsized effects on the network. So that's really exciting. Um, also, he continues in 2023, 80% of network revenue was from HCS, right? So that really illustrates that contrast. You know, HCS might be doing 99% of the actual transactions, but it's only doing about 83% of the revenue. So it's very interesting. In 2024, um, it's expected that uh, Hedera token service and Hedera smart contract service transactions will be over 30% of network revenue, um, which will basically equate to 700% growth year over year. Um, again, another very impressive metric. Um, so yeah, it seems to be there's a ton of under the radar projects that nobody knows about that are generating like crazy amounts of revenue for the network that we just don't talk about. Um, so I'm gonna be trying to put in a little more effort into figuring out what those are um, and just, you know, have them on the show and figure out what's going on. You know, if you're making money for the network, that's good for us. Uh, and we should know who those people are and see what's going on. So I'm going to try to do a little more digging um, going into the rest of the year. Um, on Along this line to our fourth story of the day, Masari uh, put out their quarter three report for the Hedera network, um, published September 30th or no, published, I think, like October 11th, but it was their reporting was kind of wrapped up on the 30th of September. Um, keep in mind, right, that these reports from Masari are funded by the HBAR Foundation, right? So this isn't just like Masari, you know, doing this out of the goodness of their hearts. They're being paid to do this. Uh, but it is important to summarize this information. And I do think it is done in a, you know, obje as objective manner as possible. Um, it's not sugarcoated, I would say, um, and it is fairly accurate. And they do a great job of going into really the nuances of the network, not just focusing on enterprise, but focusing on uh, many different entities. So um, let's dive into a couple of the, the key highlights from this. So um, I, I, I made a note for myself here after reading this report, but my note to myself was for better or for worse, HBAR is the crypto your parents are going to love. Um, so Masari says in 2023, amidst challenges in the crypto climate, Hedera demonstrated notable growth while Bitcoin and Ethereum experienced declines of 7.5% and 10% respectively, Hedera's circulating market capitalization rose by 7.6% quarter over quarter. Very neat. Very cool. Transaction volume saw an increase for the fifth consecutive quarter achieving a record 
99 million daily average transactions, uh, or uh, yeah, uh, the Hedera consensus service is responsible for 99% of transactions as we talked about. However, a significant drop in transactions was observed towards the end of the quarter for unknown reasons. Kind of spooky. It's what we talked about on previous episodes. Um, it's obviously related to Atma.io. We saw this pattern of every quarter, um, Atma would just like drop off and the mainnet would like go from, you know, 1500 transactions per second to like 20 and people would start freaking out. But it's kind of appears to be this cycle, right? Like where every quarter, um, Atma just kind of drops off and then they pick back up and there's kind of a period of a week or two weeks where um, transactions kind of shrink to the low double digits. Um, it's not really clear why that is, um, but I can safely predict uh, to everyone's disappointment that come the end of December, the Hedera mainnet will probably drop down to 20 transactions per second. Um, and later in January, we'll pop back up. Um, it just kind of seems to be the way that things go. And even Masari has no idea what's going on in regards to that. But there's a pattern here. Um, also continuing, Hedera concluded quarter three with 28 billion HBAR staked, representing 85% of the circulating supply and 56% of the total supply. This high staking percentage is attributed to core entities staking their HBAR allocations to assist validators. Um, that includes you and me and everybody listening. Shout out to us. Look at us go. Hedera's total value locked was 31 million. SaucerSwap expanded its total value locked to $27 million USD, according to, uh, accounting for 87% of Hedera's overall TVL. The Hedera community rolled out new tools and forged partnerships to enhance its EVM capability. Notable releases include the JSON RPC code base, integration with Validation Cloud, the Stablecoin Studio Toolkit, and the introduction of HIP 729 to refine contract creation. So from what I hear in the community, a lot of work still needs to be done for EVM uh, capabilities and equivalents. It's not like super duper great yet, but we're getting close. Um, but great to see. Now, I picked out a couple numbers from the report that I just wanted to highlight. So 67% of HBAR is in circulation, um, which is kind of crazy. And I think freaks a lot of people out of how much HBAR is, <laughs> how much HBAR is quote being dumped on us. Um, it is worth saying, you know, when I was in Los Angeles and chatting with Lehman and interviews that Lehman was on and stuff, um, Really, it's just the network grew quicker than expected. So they basically decided to speed up how much HBAR was, again, dumped on people. That's basically what it boils down to is uh, really there's a massive bear market. Hedera appears to be doing relatively well. And it would be better to uh, speed up these releases now rather than um, continue them heavily into a bull market. So... It's, you know, short-term pain for long-term gain. And the the good news here, right? The silver lining is um, into later this year, into next year, the amount of HBAR being released into the ecosystem is going to drop drastically, 
right? We're not going to see a billion HBAR being released into the ecosystem, you know, every month or so. It'll be drastically reduced. So I think that the last major distribution is being done soon or has been done, but it's going to drop very significantly, which I think is going to have an outsized impact on just kind of the sentiment around Hedera's tokenomics, which is going to be very exciting to see. Um, the market cap is up 8%, uh, which is good to see. Revenue is up 29%. Um, it looks like this uh, in quarter three, we hit the $1 million mark. So if you extrapolate on that, we're doing a million dollars quarter over quarter. Um, daily active addresses is down 38%. We have eight and a half thousand daily active addresses. So a little bit of a yikes there, but we'll turn it around. Daily active transactions are up. Uh, we're approaching 99 million transactions every day. It's wild. Uh, TVL for DeFi is up 28%. Active NFT addresses is up 161%. Uh, 1.3 thousand accounts. Um, I think that's largely due to the Karate Project and also Hashpack. Uh, shout out. Pump those numbers. Those are rookie numbers. Keep it going. Uh, crypto service transactions are down 41%. Uh, smart contracts transactions are down 41%. So um, overall, year over year, I think those are up, but we saw a drop off this quarter. I don't know why, but there it is. Um, the peak reached 158 daily active smart contracts in quarter um, 2023. So in quarter one, uh, in 2023, we had like 158 daily active smart contracts, but that's declined now in quarter three to 94 um, daily decentralized exchange volume is up 16%, notably Pangolin, which started in quarter one and they held 27% of the ecosystem's TVL. They concluded 23, uh, 20, uh, sorry, quarter three with less than 1%. So, um, uh, shout out to Pangolin. I hope you guys are okay. Um, would love to see a more diverse, um, you know, DeFi ecosystem, but, uh, you know, hang in there. Um, and then, uh, two extra quotes from this report that I think are relevant is quote in the second quarter of 2023, the Hedera network ex experienced significant NFT activity due to two key events. First karate introduced its karate token, mobile application and NFT collection, which culminated in approximately 250,000 transactions within a two day span. Second, the hash pack wallet, uh, conducted the Hashpack NFT sale, resulting in a peak of 10,000 active NFT addresses in a single day. So um, shout out to Karate, shout out to Hashpack. Um, you know, those, that, that was a special moment for the community and very cool to see them mentioned in this report. Um, last quote here, um, in quarter three, the Hedera Network stablecoin market cap maintained its position, ending the quarter at a market cap of 3.6 million. Um, sorry, yeah, the stablecoin market cap. Uh, USDC stands as the only stablecoin available on Hedera. The market cap for USDC on the Hedera network peaked in mid-2022, right, last year, and has consistently receded since then, mirroring the trajectory, of, the trajectory observed in the broader crypto stablecoin market cap. At the end of quarter three, 
the Hedera network was ranked approximately 50th in stablecoin market cap among blockchain networks. So the stablecoin liquidity on Hedera is not super duper great. Um, and I think that, you know, the efforts that are being made across different use cases to leverage USDC more, um, I think will be good to see. I think there's a lot of exciting things in the pipeline, but um, hopefully we can move up from that 50th position a little bit higher. Um, all right, let's move on to our fifth story of the day. This is a short one, but an important one. And it revolves around just kind of hype in the ecosystem. Um, commonly, Hedera, the tagline, you know, since day one has kind of been like, all substance, no hype. Um, there's a tweet put out by Mei Chen, um, CEO of Hashpack, that I think kind of hit the nail on the head, uh, saying, quote, right now, the Hedera ecosystem needs excitement. The community needs to band together and promote the projects that are fun and interesting. They're out here. Let's help make some noise. Um, and really, uh, that's a big uh, aspect to this is for sure, um, you know, all substance, no hype. I can get behind that. But the reality is, is that if we look at, again, at the top of the show, talking about the big pump in Bitcoin, and a potential looming bull market heading into next year, Hedera's got to wake up. I mean, again, that crazy excitement when we saw that big pump in Bitcoin, the Hedera Twitter account or X account was like radio silence. Like where's the, maybe there's a meme or something like that. And I know that recently on the show, I had Oliver as a guest who is the head of social media for Hedera and responsible for 95% of the posts that you see from Hedera. And we had a very fascinating conversation. I believe that was episode 95. Go listen to that one. But, you know, it's like, or maybe it's episode 94, can't remember, but it was great. It was with Oliver and he talked about the struggle and the red tape involved with a lot of these fun tweets that Hedera puts out that get deleted. Um, and we need that right now. Like when we're on the precipice of a bull market, it seems, and when we're seeing a pretty dire situation in regards to morale with the community and a lot of these builders on the network not really knowing if they're going to be able to last or stay in business, we need this hype. Like, again, I'm a believer in the slogan, you know, all substance, no hype, but come on, like we need hype. It kind of goes to what Mance said about the Hashgraph technology and the governing council, right? You need both. You can't just write off, um, you know, you don't need hype or you don't need marketing or you don't need stuff like that. Like I see people in the Hedera subreddit and on Telegram and all these types of things saying, oh, you know, Hedera doesn't need marketing. Hedera doesn't need to focus on retail and DGENs and stuff like that. We're better than that. And what I have to say to those people is you're nuts. You're crazy. You do need those people. Like, who's going to buy HBAR? Who's going to secure the network? Who is going to um, create the liquidity that we need? Who's going to use these applications that are, that are being built on the network? Sure, you know, we've got um, carbon credits with Atma and we got, you know, coupons coming and we've got, you know, Hyundai working on supply chain stuff and we've got 
all of these enterprise use cases and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, great. Like, you know, the, you know, the governing council and enterprises can play on this network all by themselves, but people are just going to leave. I'm sorry, but it's like, it's the dumbest thing to say that we don't need some form of hype. It's stupid to say that we don't need fun things like memes and we don't need, um, you know, to be to be poking things a little bit, that we don't need a little bit of controversy, that we don't need um, excitement. If you think that way, you, it's, just, it's a losing mentality. And again, I love the slogan, all substance, no hype. It's a big reason that um, I got into Hedera, right? But we have to remember that was during a bull market, right? Hedera was at 50 cents, right? Hedera is at five cents now. So I'm sorry, but we need hype. And if you're saying we don't, then you're a dum-dum and you need to get with the program and, you know, make some memes here and there. God forbid, have a little bit of fun. Um, I just think that it's nuts to say that we don't need hype and we don't need marketing. And this goes to a lot of those people saying that I think are sitting on the governing council. Wake up. I'm not saying that you need to put Hedera's name on a sports arena. But for God's sake, when you've got the crypto ecosystem lit up, when you've got the entire Hedera community like just going ballistic, when you've got Bitcoin pumping to $35,000, right? On a, on, a, on a Monday night, Jesus, Hedera, put out a tweet, do something, you know, like you know, say hi, you know? Hedera should just tweet out, we're happy to be here. You know, you got to do something. So I, I digress. Um, you know, I, I, I want to make it clear that I think that Hedera has the strongest chance of any network of being a top five. But we're not going to get there if we don't have some fun. F-U-N. Fun. I know we talk about TVL and TVR whatever the other, you know, BS acronym we want to talk about, but we need some F-U-N, right? Right. Okay, let's talk about some more uh, boring tech stuff. So our sixth story of the day revolves smart contract verification, which is really important. So if folks noticed, Hashscan added a new beta feature um, and it basically revolves around being able to verify a smart contract, which is really, really, really important. Um, why is smart contract verification important? Well, trust and transparency, right? It allows users and developers to verify that the contract's code corresponds to its purported functionality, right? Error detection. Verification can help in identifying errors or vulnerabilities in the smart contract, which could be exploited right? It creates an audit trail, ensuring that the deployed contract hasn't been altered post deployment. It can help in ensuring that smart contracts comply with legal and regulatory standards and verified contracts makes it easier for others to interact with them, right? As they understand the contract's behavior and trust that it operates as expected. It's so important, right? Um, and uh, I got a couple comments on the post here. Um, shout out. I think people were generally receptive to, uh, my, uh, 
tirade on hype um, and a nice gif of someone raise, waving a Canadian flag, a gentleman waving a Canadian flag with the Canadian hockey team jersey on. I love to see it. By the way, like whenever we're going to have a, a company in Canada on the governing council, I want a Canadian node. I want a node in Canada. Right? How dope would that be? Anyways, back to smart contract verification. So what's going on with that? Basically, if you go to HashScan, there's a beta tool that you can use to verify smart contracts. Um, and Hedera upgraded their documentation, and it basically provides a step-by-step -step guide on how to use the hash, hash scan smart contract verifier tool to ensure deployed smart contracts bytecode matches its source files on the Hedera network. Um, so the steps to do that, you can find it in the, uh, in the documentation. Um, basically, you just import the necessary files, verify the contract, check for a match, and then you kind of view the verified contract and you're good to go. So creates a little more trust, a little more secure, you know, it's a little bit of a vibe. I like it. Our seventh story involves Stablecoin Studio and something pretty cool. So Brady at uh, Swirls, uh, frequent caller of the show, shout out Brady, we love you, um, tweeted out that he is working on a testnet, uh, you know, dashboard that displays a lot of really useful information about the stablecoin studio for folks unfamiliar the stablecoin studio is a way for enterprises and you know like all sorts of you know big 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 uh institutional use cases um, to issue stablecoins on hedera and also leverage smart contracts to do all sorts of different things they want to do so naturally the hedera community goes like well it would be great to see how the stablecoin studio is being leveraged and who is using it and what's going on. So Metrica is working on a stablecoin studio activity dashboard, and it's going to show um, all sorts of different things. So it'll show how many stablecoin studios are being or stablecoin studio tokens are being created, um, you know, daily, um, you know, who's making them by what account ID. Um, how many transfers, how many mints, how many burns, how many holders, um, all sorts of different things, right? Even diving into the smart contracts, breaking down the transactions. It's available on Testnet now, <clears throat> I believe on Metrica, if, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and it's supposedly coming to mainnet soon. So that's really exciting. I mean, that's really the story. It's, you know, not that big of a deal. And, uh, you know, I think that it's exciting. Um, it's going to be great to see, uh, you know, what's happening with Stablecoin Studio, bringing that transparency. Um, also, too, just quickly looping back to our sixth story, I forgot to mention just on the trail of smart contract verification, there was also some updates to the chat, uh, the OpenAI chat GPT plugin for Hedera. Um, which was very cool to see. They added the capabilities to do things like ask how many NFTs have been minted, um, ask it, you know, what's the current TPS, um, ask for various account balances, uh, ask for a full list of tokens in an account formatted by table or however you wish. It works really well. I, you know what? I'll actually try it right now. Uh, we'll do this live on the show. Let's figure out what's going on on Hedera. Um, what do we want to know? Um, you know what? I want to know uh, 
you know, how many NFTs were minted on Hedera this week? Let's find out. Hedera GPT, tell us what's going on. Um, so it's it's uh, querying the mainnet now, I, I presume, and we're going to figure out what's going on. So a total of 38.5 thousand NFTs were minted on Hedera in the past week. Thank you, GPT. Uh, what else should I ask it? I'm going to ask, what is the current TPS on Hedera? Question mark. Let's see if it can help us out here. Um, ba 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 ba. The current transactions per second on Hedera are approximately 1.2 thousand transactions. How handy is that? Shout out to Ed Marquez from Swirls. He actually put out a blog article that kind of shows you how to make your own GPT plugin. So maybe you can make your own version of this that does more stuff. I mean, I wish it did more, but works really well. It's handy. I literally use it in my day to day. Like sometimes it's just great to ask. It's great to talk to the mainnet. I like to have conversations with the mainnet to see what's going on. Um, there's a great, uh, I want to go to our eighth story and really appreciate everyone tuned in still. Um, it's great to see um, so many familiar faces here and also new faces. And if you're listening right now, take a minute, share the spaces, the more the merrier. Um, let's talk about a little bit of a deeper look into something that is regarding velocity and how it relates to circulating supply and network revenue, ultimately determining bah, 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 the price of HBAR. So shout out to Fabricating Fun on YouTube. They published a video that I find to be one of the most insightful and accurate takes on the velocity component of Hedera's tokenomics it is um, definitely outside of my realm of understanding in some ways. I'm still kind of digesting it, but I encourage kind of anyone to check it out. Uh, but I broke down a couple thoughts here and I want to basically talk about what was in this video um, and why it's, I think, important to understand. So <clears throat> there's a, it, it, it's an equation that this individual developed that really, I guess, allows you to understand the pulse of the network, right? It, this equation basically allows you to kind of put your fingers on the wrist of Hedera and feel the heartbeat um, and understand how that uh, affects the price of HBAR itself. So the video discusses how HBARs are traded, used in transactions, and then possibly traded again. If HBARs are frequently traded and used in the Hedera ecosystem, their velocity is high. Conversely, if most people are holding on to their HBAR and not using them, the velocity is low. So imagine if you have like, let's um, let's say you have like a $10 bill, right? And you use that $10 bill to buy a book and the bookseller uses that $10 to buy lunch. And then the restaurant owner uses that $10 to pay for a haircut. And that single $10 bill has been used in three transactions in a short span of time. The velocity of that $10 bill is high um, and is changing hands rapidly versus a $10 bill sitting in your wallet, right? Holding. So velocity can influence the price of a cryptocurrency. High velocity can indicate that a cryptocurrency is being widely used and circulated, 
which can be a sign of a healthy, active ecosystem. However, if the supply of the cryptocurrency increases, you know, aka inflation, while velocity remains high, it can put downward pressure on the price. Conversely, low velocity, especially when combined with a limited supply, can lead to price increases. This is because if fewer coins are available for trading or transactions, because many would be held, the demand for those few coins in circulation can drive up the price. So what is this uh, super nifty equation that um, this individual kind of thought up? So this equation is essentially the price of HBAR is determined by taking the total revenue generated by the network and dividing it by the result of multiplying the velocity at which HBAR is traded or used with the total number of HBAR available in the market. Again, I, I, like, I, I don't know, they do a much better job of explaining it. I don't know really if this is gonna um, get into the brains of a lot of people. It's pretty out there, but I just wanted to kind of bring it up on the show. So basically where price is the value of HBAR, network revenue is the total income generated from transactions on the network, it's calculated by multiplying the number of transactions by the transaction price. Velocity refers to the rate at which HBAR is exchanged or used within a specific period. A high velocity means HBAR are frequently traded or used, while low velocity means that they're being held. And circulating supply is the total number of HBARs available in the market for trading and transactions. So just to kind of better, you know, better understand it is, Network revenue is the total value of all transactions happening on the Hedera network. If there are many transactions and each transaction has a high value, the network revenue will be high. Conversely, if there are fewer transactions or each transaction is of low value, the revenue will be low. And when it comes to velocity, as you know, as we talked about, velocity measures how frequently HBAR is being used or traded. If HBAR is actively being used in transactions and traded frequently, it's high. So the circulating supply is the total number of HBAR that's available for trading or transactions. So it doesn't include HBAR that are locked away or not yet released, right? So it's HBAR that are kind of in the circulating supply. There, there is 50 billion HBAR minted, but there's only, um, you know, 60 or 67% of that released in circulating supply. So a higher circulating supply can put downward pressure on the price if demand remains consistent while lower supply can increase the price. So essentially, by using this equation, you can essentially determine the price of HBAR based on the health and activity of the network represented by network revenue, how frequently HBARs are being used, velocity, and how many HBARs are available for use, circulating supply. And you know the equation essentially captures the dynamics of supply and demand in the Hedera ecosystem. High network revenue, aka demand, combined with low velocity and low circulating supply can lead to higher HBAR price. Conversely, low network revenue with a high velocity and a high circulating supply can put downward pressure on the price of HBAR. <clears throat> so this individual um, fabricating fun on YouTube did a great job of this and he does a much better job of kind of breaking down these concepts in the video and has charts and graphs that kind of outline this kind of stuff. But it was so fascinating to me and I think that in our toolbox of kind of understanding what's going on with this network, 
and understanding what we could expect for HBAR price, this equation is a great tool where we can plug in different numbers, run the equation, and see what comes out the other side, right? And what comes out the other side is a price for HBAR. Now, this individual does share predictions in their video, but to be honest, I, I don't want to talk about them here just because I, I don't want to steal their thunder. Um, if you want those kind of juicy predictions that they talk about and they do go through a few scenarios, go watch the video, support them, uh, search up Fabricating Fun on YouTube, um, Hedera Tokenomics or whatever, and go watch it. It's super, super, super interesting and I think is a great, great perspective. Our ninth story of the day, again, a quick one, but I just wanted to take a quick pit stop at it. Um, I saw Hashgraph name listening earlier to the show. Um, you know, maybe they'll stop by. But Jesus Murphy, the domain ecosystem on Hedera is a bit of a mess right now. Um, and I've heard a lot of negative sentiment from just, you know, collectors in general, people are kind of split. I know that um, the, the, so HNS is Hedera, um, is, is Hashgraph name, sorry, is HNS, the Hedera name service. And then I think we've got uh, Kabuto, who, you know, people would remember they did Network Explorer, but now they're doing domains. They have something called KNS. So you've got, Hashgraph name uh, doing .hbar domains and some others. And then you've got Kabuto doing, you know, .hh or whatever else doing some some other ones. And so you we're in a bit of a situation where, you know, it's tough. And, you know, there are people out there that hold like literally, you know, hundreds of domain names um, and are a little bit concerned about, you know, what does the future hold for the domain space? And I think that the real issue here is that this community hasn't really been educated on how domains work. Like the reality is, is that Web2 domains have been around for decades. Um, Web2 domains are the original digital collectible and they work pretty well, right? Um, if I, like just recently I had a domain name at one provider and that provider, um, you know, is I wasn't super satisfied with the level of service that they were giving. And there was another domain provider, right? A registrar, similar to like a GoDaddy or a Namecheap or Google Domains or Squarespace or whatever. And, um, you know, they had just, you know, I think they had a better pricing and their services were a little better. I think they were also offering like bundled who is protection stuff. So anyways, I just decided one day, I was like, you know what? I'm going to move my domain name from this provider. I'm going to move it to the next one because how the web two domain space works is there's a, uh, a, a an objective central body um, called ICANN that manages domain names, right? Imagine that situation if one of those providers was the manager of that system. Do you think they would let you move your domain name to another provider? No. And to have a free market in domain names, you have to have an objective third party that is not buying and selling domain names 
that manages that registry. You cannot have the registry management done by a entity that buys and sells domain names and offers those services. It's just not possible. We had these problems in Web2 domains early on where you would have situations where you'd have duplicates, right? Where one, uh, where one registry would offer .coms and another one would offer .coms and they wouldn't communicate and they would compete with each other. It was a mess. You needed ICANN to step in as the central body to manage that so you could have a free market. You cannot have GoDaddy and Namecheap and Squarespace and Google and whomever that offer the purchase of domain names to control that registry. It just would not work. And it's because of that structure that, you know, domain names are not, they don't work, they work pretty well. It's not too bad in the Web2 space. It could be better. Um, and, you know, I think that unfortunately, this really hasn't been explained to the Hedera community. And I think it's just domains are so important. You know, the whole Web3 ecosystem runs on Web2 domains. That's just a fact. The entire Web3 space, every single DLT runs on Web2 DNS technology. That's a fact. If that didn't work well, we wouldn't have crypto. It works pretty good. So that means that if we're going to build something like that on Hedera, it's got to be a little bit at least as good as that. And right now it's just not. So that's where we're at. And it's unfortunate to see where the domain space is. I really hope that it's not a situation where, you know, people lose money and all that kind of stuff. And I hope that things can, you know, improve. But I mean, it is common knowledge that the entity that um, controls that registry, and this is broadly known information, is Hashgraph name. And it would be great if it wasn't one entity controlling that registry. It would be ideal that the that the entity controlling that registry did not sell domains, that it was some kind of DAO or multi-sig wallet that controls that topic ID, right? The, the, the registry for domains on Hedera, it's just a topic ID that providers need to write to. And you have one provider that's just not letting people write to it. It's as simple as that, you know, and I'm tired of, you know, running circles around it. So those are my thoughts on it. Uh, I think that people have heard about it enough but it's an ongoing story. I hope that it has a happy ending. And the silver lining to, the, to it is this, and I said this here, you know, recently, is like, we had these exact problems in Web2 domains, and those problems were solved, right? They're gonna be solved again. It's gonna be okay, right? It's, we are gonna be okay. But we do run risk of, of what happened with Algorand? Algorand shut down their whole domain infrastructure, right? So you have to do this right. You have to do it in a decentralized fashion, and it has to be at least as good as what's available in Web2, or otherwise there's no point. So that's my thoughts on it. Um, and our last story of the day, story number 10, involves Wallet Connect, which is an exciting initiative to basically supercharge the entire ecosystem of wallets and dApps on Hedera, which is, you know, it's incredibly, incredibly exciting. 
Um, and what this is about from a technical standpoint is um, a group, which is the Wallet Connect Working Group, which consists of wallet providers, including Hashpack, Kabila, Blade, Drop, Galaxy, and Walla Wallet. Um, and they are currently developing um, reference implementations, right? A library and SDK of the official Hedera Wallet Connect spec as a working group together. And this working group is being led by HGraph, which is a technology partner that specializes in DLT stuff and, and AI stuff. Full disclosure, HGraph is a client of mine and I'm supporting them in the project management of the Wallet Connect initiative. Um, I'm representing the community, um, the dApps and the wallets. I want to make sure that each of their individual needs and concerns and goals and challenges are recognized and fully understood and factored in. Um, so just a note going forward with the show, I'm not really going to be talking a ton about HGraph. Um, I, I don't talk on the show about clients of mine, just out of uh, respect for you know journalistic integrity, uh, so I will not be talking about them. The what I'll leave it at is they're you know great team. They put the community first. I dig it. Um, but you know I will talk about Wallet Connect in the future. Keep people updated. Um, I you know I think that the best way to stay up to date on what's happening with Wallet Connect is follow the wallets. Follow Hashpack, follow Kabila, follow Blade, follow Drop, follow Galaxy, follow Walla Wallet. Um, this is a community-led effort, and this is not something that should be, um, you know, controlled or anything like that by Swirled or HBAR Foundation or Hedera. Um, to be frank, you know, Swirls is clear on their position. They're like, we want to enable this process, but we don't want to be calling the shots. We want this to be a community-led initiative. Really, so, you know, so it's my job in this initiative to advocate for the wallets and the ecosystem and dApps and uh, fight for those needs and bring everybody together and, you know, make sure folks can work together and have what they need and, and have the support they need. Um, and uh, really, that's what it's about. So it's exciting stuff. Wallet Connect is exciting because it's basically if you if you're familiar with using dApps, right, when you go to connect your wallet. There's a bunch of buttons, right? Connect to this wallet, connect to that wallet. Um, sometimes it can be confusing and it's hard for dApps because it can take weeks or months for a dApp to integrate just one wallet, right? And you know, that's a challenge and it slows growth of this ecosystem. And, and a lot of times dApps can only afford to integrate one or two wallets. So it kind of creates this bottleneck in this ecosystem of, ways that users can interact with the dApps that they love and use wallets that they enjoy. Um, and what Wallet Connect will do very broadly is turn all of those buttons into one button and automatically make it so if you have a dApp, you can do this one simple integration and instantly support every single wallet in the ecosystem. And furthermore, it will, it will create a pathway for wallets on other networks to connect to dApps on Hedera. So it's very exciting. Um, the timeline on this is I believe it's, you know, we really want to have this completed by the end of the year. And I don't want to share too much more on this. Um, there will be a presentation on it um, during the 
Hedera community call on Discord tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. So check it out. Um, tune in, get the info. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's really exciting. And just before we wrap up the show, I wanted to quickly just invite um, Milana to speak. Just to, I wanted to just loop back on kind of the super cool interview from yesterday with Rob Allen from the Hashgraph Association and Shane from the HBAR Foundation. I was curious to maybe get some uh, thoughts uh, from you, Milan, um, kind of after the interview and kind of see if you've uh, had a chance to kind of reflect on that. So it was, it was a really, really fascinating interview. So feel free to pop up. Um, I just invited you to speak, so feel free to pop up. Let me see if there was any other, um, or if you can't speak, just let me, let me know. Um, that's totally fine if, if you can't jump up and speak. Um, but in the meantime, uh, let me see if there's anything else I wanted to touch on. I think that was it. Hey, Milan, how's it going? Thank you, uh, Brandon. I'm, I'm just, I'm just amazed by the fact that you've been speaking for one hour and 40 minutes and, and it's all full content and high quality, you know, um, hats off, man. It's, it's amazing what you're doing and you explain it so well, all the different topics. Uh, well done. Hey, thanks so much. And likewise to you, the show yesterday that you did with the, with the H bar foundry was awesome. Now that you've had a chance to kind of reflect on, you know, what, what Rob Allen and Shane were talking about and everything, I'd love to kind of hear what your thoughts were from that interview. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. And, and, um, yeah, it's it was uh, you know I was a little bit anxious obviously if always <laughs> you always have that at a, especially it was my first live YouTube uh, mission and you have to know which buttons you have to click in order for Zoom and YouTube to connect with each other and then go live, but um uh, yeah I mean I think the, the 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 main thing that I I also got from both of them um, was really their focus. Uh, that have shifted from hey we're giving out grants to uh, hey we are um, going to invest in projects we're going to look for equity uh, because we understand that giving out grants it's something of the past uh, because we are organizations that need to be sustainable um, and that's I think a very interesting takeaway from that uh, we I think we already knew that that was coming along um but it's 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 good to have them both kind of kind of mention that very explicitly um also uh <laughs> i was happy that um a chain addressed the atma um atma.io um how do you say that thing <laughs> because we all who are all watching whether Atma is funded again with the H bars and you know and obviously we can we can um, explain it from our side but it's it's good to have him explain what's behind it. So I was really at the point you know I didn't yet got the got the the answer about about Atma.io. He 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 hadn't mentioned it yet. Um, because he was talking about revenue and I was thinking to myself, yeah, but that's, you know, what's, what defined revenue? I, I had it in my head and, and at that point it's like, yeah, I would like to mention about Apple.io and the reasoning behind that. 
uh, how it's not taken out of the ecosystem but being used for to pay for fees. Well, exactly what you perfectly explained, um, you know, uh, about 45 minutes ago. Um, so I'm I'm glad he addressed that that he sees that hey these things need you need to be on top of that and and be forward to it um, towards the community um, and and as always you know it's great to have Rob as well uh, so much in touch um, with the community he's he's absolutely um, a bridge to 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 between the community and and everything that's going on. Uh, you know, behind the scenes, and 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 I mean, he has he has been part of the of the the of the council. Um, he has been the governing council. He's been part of the Asia Foundation of the Hashkov Association. So he has seen so many sides of it, but he really originates from the community. And I think we are very lucky to have someone like him um, because I absolutely know that he will always. Uh, he will always be our bridge and always um, take good care uh, of us as the, as the community, even though maybe he can't say everything. But, you know, look at the shark bites, for example, with uh, with Brandon, uh, the HBAR bull on Fridays. Um, he's addressing the questions and, and, and that's amazing. So all in all, I think it was a great interview. Really glad to have uh, Shane and, and Rob um being there and uh yeah i think it was uh was pretty good love it yeah and i'm looking forward to you guys did one um recently i think with lehman um which was super cool so i mean the the hbar foundry is like doing some awesome uh interviews and, and one thing i love about the stuff you guys are doing is you know it's live like i'm a big fan of 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 live stuff obviously you know so i, I love the live component yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is very important. And the funny thing is when we came up with the town hall, the whole idea was kind of to start saying in the beginning, uh, oh, where are you from? Uh, oh, you're from you're from France and you're from Canada. <laughs> and, you know, and this is the second one and, and, and we completely forgot about it. So hopefully it's the third one. We'll start uh, naming where all the people come from and, and, you know, kind of engaging the chat. But it's a lot of stress. You know, you know all about it, I guess, with, you know, with the preparations you've been doing with, with the the weekly uh, hashgraph uh, enthusiasts, uh, which by the way you're almost at 100. We we're gonna have to throw a big party if you win in, in three weeks when you're at 100. But uh, you know it's a lot of preparation and 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 you know uh, a lot of things go. Uh, you need to prepare. Um, so um, yeah, no, it's it's uh, maybe 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 next time we'll uh, we'll start asking people uh, where they're from, like the good old town halls. That Lehman uh, used to do, and uh, yeah, and uh, who knows what, what what other exciting guests we will have uh, next time. That's awesome, Alon. I I appreciate you stopping by. Um, before I wrap up the show here, was there uh, any uh, last little stuff you wanted to mention or anything like that? Um, well, I mean, you've mentioned so many things, and excellent, excellent, great job. I mean, you've mentioned, you've talked about uh, the domain space, which is a real, real issue right now and and but you've perfectly explained it i mean you can't have one one entity that and sells uh, and decides who who's giving out the domain it's just not possible um you you've talked about uh oh man you've talked to all, all the points i really enjoyed listening to um 
you've 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 mentioned about appma.io about these hbars being going back to the ecosystem uh he had a lot of calculations that i was like oh man i i think i need to sit somewhere and and follow follow with you um that was very interesting um and uh and and also the your you know what you mentioned about having fun and and yeah we need that hype with with um with hedera obviously i mean we can we can say and and stuff like oh we're above that but no i mean if hbar uh falls like if it just 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 you know the 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 price uh goes down 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 at a certain point how do you want to pay for all of the things you know it's just not possible it's just not possible so we need that i completely agree with that great job nothing to add just uh well done right on. i appreciate you milan you take care thanks so much brendan all right so what a show oh my god it's good to be back Remember, I've been, I've been I missed a couple episodes. Like I was in Los Angeles for the Hello Future Live thing, and I've been all over the place. I've been busy, and so it's good to be back. To be honest, it's nice to be back. Um, yeah. So the week continues, and before I share my final quick thoughts for the week, a huge shout out to everyone listening live right now. Um, another shout out to everyone listening to the recording on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and an extra shout out. To all supporters of the show, the contributions mean so much. Um, and I mean, my thoughts on on this week, and I should say, you know, since the last time I did a news episode, is I hope we're ready. You know, I really that's that's really just what this is about for me. Is I like, I hope we're ready. Um, it seems like what Mance said that Wall Street would be the catalyst for a bull run. Um, it seems that that catalyst is bubbling. We saw that on Monday. We're continually seeing that. And I hope we're ready. Um, that's what we should be focused on, is staying in the game and being prepared. And that's really it. And that's what a lot of these initiatives are about. We've got to start coming together. Um, we got to start having fun, raising morale. We got to lose a little bit of the enterprise mentality. We got we to gotta get the party going a little bit, right? If people are going to be coming into the crypto space looking for something to do, Hedera's got to be a fun place to come to with fun things to do, right? It's not going to be initially like, you know, institutional investors, you know, diving into this. It's going to be folks like you and me and people looking for, you know, great NFT projects to support, compelling stories, um, cool DeFi things, um, and easy ways to do those things. So that's what this is really about, is it's about coming together in regards to people and coming together in regards to technology, right? That's what it's about to me. And with that, it's a wrap for Hashgraph Enthusiasts News, episode 97, broadcast live on Spaces every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and made available on all major podcast platforms the following, uh, not the following Monday. I still have to update my script. Tomorrow, I'll get it up on, I'll get it up tomorrow, maybe even tonight, who knows. 
I got a, I'm going to a show with my wife tomorrow. We're, we're seeing a band. It's a Canadian band. Very excited to see it. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, you can send an HBAR contribution using your Hedera wallet. I pinned a tweet to the top. You can support the show. Um, the show's full Hedera address is in the podcast show notes and YouTube description, all that good stuff. Get all the info you need about the show at itsbrandond.com slash HBAR. And I'll see you next Wednesday for the news. And as usual, for everyone listening live now, take a minute. Um, if you see someone listening that you don't recognize, shoot them a DM, ask them what's up, what's going on. And if you see someone that you do recognize, ask them what's new. Let's stay connected, right? Let's get ready. It seems like things are heating up. So let's stick together. And with that, hello future, goodbye past.